um, sorry, when I got my divorce, um, that was my concluding matter is my mental health was at stake. Like I was, I had lost myself. I, I didn't exist anymore. And the situation that I was in, it, I, I questioned, I even questioned my Christianity by Mm. the end of it. I was like, I don't even know who I'm, is God the same? We serve, do we serve the same God? Cause stuff, I was being told that they were saying God was telling them. I'm like, how? So, but I had to remove myself from that situation in order to keep myself. And when I did it, I had people, women that came to me and told me, oh, you should have waited because this was going to come about and you're going to miss out on this. And I'm sitting there thinking like, dear woman of God, you don't even know what I was going through. Like, but yet God told you that. Yeah. Like. You know, we've been talking about mental health and how we can manage it and also what it looks like as far as being a believer and dealing with that and how it coincides with the church and all of those things is it kind of can get difficult and a little sticky sometimes. But my guest today is going to shed some light on how she handled her mental health during a very trying time in her life. I don't know what you want me to call it, Tara. This is Tara Denise. Say hello. Hello. You actually described it perfectly. I would not (laughs) change one thing. That was perfect. Okay. Yeah, because... um, Tara is actually a PK. Can I call you a PK? If they know what PK is. What is a PK? PK. For those of you that don't know, I am a preacher's kid or more specifically a pastor's kid. Oh, man. What is that life like? Like for real, for real. How long we got on this podcast? (laughs) You don't want to talk about it. PK. Oh, I know because people probably, because even being uh, just... A believer by itself, people expect a lot of us. When you proclaim that you believe the Bible, you believe in, I really try to refrain from using the word Christian. I don't know. That's a personal thing with me because I just feel like it's a label. Yeah. And people like take it as a religion when you say Christian and this it's not a religion. Um, to me, it's a relationship. So I, I love to say like Bible-based believer or whatever, mm-hmm. something like that. But but people put a label like a standard on you <laughs> and they don't understand this is this walk is a process. So I cannot imagine the pressure of being a preacher's kid. And this started at such a young age. Like I recall 
being, I would say like 10 or 11 and just hanging out with friends and their family. Maybe they had a cookout. Maybe they had a barbecue. Maybe mm-hmm. they just going over their house to play cards. And all of a sudden it's like, Pastor Bird's daughter is here. You all put this away, put that away. And it's like, I'm 11, 12 years old. I'm just trying to be with my friends. Right. Like, and even their parents, everyone. And my dad was uh, fairly recognized in the city. Mm-hmm. So once people knew that I was Pastor Bird's daughter, you know, conversation would change. Demeanor would change. And I understand the matter of respect, but to be you know, a preteen, a teenager, it's already, it's just very uncomfortable. Right. Where I, even at that young age, I wanted to hide it. Like, mm. please, I hope they don't know. It's kind of like you're trying, especially at that age, you're finding yourself, period. And so now you have all of these other elements that are kind of shaping you. Yeah. And I, um, you know, we were raised two-parent household. You know, regular parents, we laugh, we talk, we joke a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom and dad, my mom was the stronger disciplinarian, um, but my dad was one of those fathers where when he said it, it was done. Mm-hmm. So when I say disciplinarian, I don't recall my dad being very aggressive with us or overly like whooping us. You know, mm-hmm. he would say it and it was done. Whereas my um, mom, we wait, would- Wait a minute. You know, we don't whoop. <laughs> That's why, but that's why I said I don't recall him whooping. Like it. I don't recall it's that. So that didn't funny. happen in the birdhouse. You know, home. you can't, you can't whoop your kids these days, honey. Well, they got rights. I was born in the eighties with black we parents. Have, well, we didn't so have no rights. We had to go out and get that switch off the tree branch. These kids have rights, honey. They will send you to jail. Talk about a whoop, right? So my mom, we would try my mom, and she was the one that I recall being more, you know putting us on punishment, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But um, my my sisters are pretty mild-mannered, you know. Those mm-hmm. were the, I'm in the middle. Okay. There's three girls, mm-hmm. and I'm the middle child. My older sister, you know, she, she pretty much walked the straight and narrow. My younger sister, very quiet, very meek. And I was, quote, unquote, the wild child. But what I felt, it wasn't I was intentionally trying to be wild. It was just I was very curious, curious about the world, Mm -hmm. curious about, you know, certain fashion, certain music. So Mm -hmm. I would indulge in it. I would want to know more. Mm -hmm. And instantly it was like I was different. So Uh I'm stepping into this world that I wasn't really taught just because. You know, and, and again, I'm trying to be careful not to use certain things like worldly things. I guess somebody, yeah. some people would call it. That it was, was a, I mean, it makes sense. Well, you, you know what? It's actually awesome to hear. Like your father was a pastor. Mm-hmm. Like they really lived that life. That's what that tells me. Yeah. That they, your household was real. I tell people because, of course, I was raised around church and, and pastors. Mm-hmm. The man that was up in the pulpit was the same man that was in the house. That's beautiful. It is. And I love saying that because it's the truth. People give me compliments on my dad and I'm never in the back of my mind saying, oh, you don't even know. know. (laughs) I never have to do that because it's accurate. Like this is the same man. And I'm proud to say that. That's awesome. The unfortunate. I don't even want to call it unfortunate, the other but side on the of flip it. side of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my dad, you know, one thing I love about my dad, my dad loved music. So mm-hmm. like we were raised on, I remember my dad used to play 
Let me let me not say that artist. I was gonna say R. Kelly, but let's not <laughs> let's not bring R. Kelly up. But like That's Jack and Edge, I know Look what you did. Us. I know I can't even tell my accurate story. <laughs> let's not bring him up. But um, I remember my dad playing like Jacket Edge or Black Street. He used to like Black Street. Really? So it's like a uh, Babyface. Mm-hmm. Like it's certain. Like we so we were allowed to listen to music, mm-hmm. but my taste or desire in music. You know, expanded to like Luke. Notorious Big and Little Kim, and <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm loving this. We were all raised, to, you know. You hear the cliche of, you know, Saturday mornings, you clean the house, the mom starts playing music, music, Anita Baker and uh-huh. stuff. That was us. We had a record player, Aww. and we would. She would play music in the morning. My dad would play music and we would literally like clean or be around the house. So one thing I know and I see it in my sisters, too, is we know music because we were raised like that. So and it wasn't just church music. No, 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 no. Well, you know what? This is what I tell people. So I don't sing, Mm -hmm. but I know harmony very well because the three of us, we had to sing. You know, my dad would go out and preach and he needs a little backup. So my sisters and I naturally have harmony my family meaning like my cousins and all that we all sing Mm -hmm. so when we're all together I can blow because I know how to hold down the alto (laughs) section I know how to hold down a tenor section but don't put the mic in my face (laughs) now I can fake it till I make it like especially don't I'm a worshiper at heart blend in I'm a worshiper at heart so when it hit me I will grab the mic and I will go that's cool every note ain't gonna hit but it's a sweet sound to his (laughs) ear hey that's all that matters So I say that to say we weren't just that strict household. Like it wasn't just, you know, John P. Key and, you know, Mississippi Mass Choir. It was definitely a balance. However, I wanted to go beyond that. Mm -hmm. You know, I I like the beat of Little Kim. Mm -hmm. I like I remember I did uh, In Vogue at a talent show, like fourth grade, fifth grade. I did In Vogue. Uh And we had me and the girls, we all had like our little outfits together. And I know my sisters don't remember this, but I remember my older sister just giving me like this look when I was practicing my routine for Invo. I remember she'll be like, I don't remember that, but it's like things like that stick out in my (laughs) mind. I remember one time I tried this different hairstyle where Mm -hmm. I don't know if they call them balls or knockers, just those hair things with the two balls at the end. Mm -hmm. We call them hair balls. Mm -hmm. But I heard people call them knockers. Yeah. And I had this style where I put a different color hairball just all down the ponytail. So Uh it was like a straight line of just different colors. Uh I was just trying it because I thought it was cool. Uh But I remember that side eye from my (laughs) sisters. So I'm saying all of this to say I've always felt kind of different. Different. Mm -hmm. You know, for just going with my natural instinct of wanting to understand I'm pulled to this side. Right. And even, I guess, because I'm so grounded in my, in the foundation of a Christian household, even Mm -hmm. me saying it feels weird. Mm -hmm. The world was really pulling me Mm -hmm. where it was just like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but this is very, very appetizing. And Mm -hmm. I noticed that at a very young age. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. It's, it's so funny because um, on this platform where we're talking about mental health, one of the things I I like to highlight is that people that do deal with mental health issues um, are very special people. Mm-hmm. I I everyone that I've met that that has a mental health I hate to, I don't want to call it an issue but they manage their mental health. Um, they're they're very particular 
very peculiar. Uh, most are very um, lovely at heart. We just have this thing that we deal with up here. In your mind. It's, it's this thing that That chemical mind. imbalance that a lot of people may not understand. If you don't have it, it's just like having an addiction. If you never had an addiction, you can't. You can't understand a person that's dealing with addiction really and truly. So when you have a mental health. <laughs> I got to find a word to say. Yeah. I don't want to say a mental so health issue. We don't want to say issue, but we're, we're going to say issue. issue. <laughs> I want to say issue. I'll, I'll just say issue for now until I come up with something. So when you have a mental health issue, if you're dealing with people that don't have one, they don't really get it fully. Yeah. And I can honestly say I didn't really get get it fully initially me neither so I was not familiar with the terms introverted or being an introvert Mm -hmm. or anxiety Mm -hmm. but as an adult and now knowing I know for a fact that as a child as a teenager what was going on with me was I was extremely introverted and I had anxiety So we would have family gatherings or large crowds. And Mm. I would be looking forward to people coming over. Now, how early is this that you're saying now that you're looking back? I want to say 9, 10. Okay. We'll say 9, 10. Okay. I would literally look forward to people coming over. I would literally look forward to having company, being around them. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, I would feel so uncomfortable. Like, I need to just get away. I have to isolate myself Mm -hmm. because this is just too much. Mm Um, And the feeling that I would get is, let me just go up to my room for a little bit. And my family would joke with me, like, why does Tara always disappear? Like, where does she go? Mm -hmm. And I would be in my room. Lord knows what I was doing, you know, listening to music. I don't don't even know what I was doing. But all I remember is that feeling of this is too much. Mm -hmm. Just people being. And these were people that I was familiar with. This was family. But I just remember feeling like this is too much. And actually, now that I'm talking, I can even go further back to maybe five or six. I would cry around certain people to the point where my parents were suspicious as to whether or not I had been molested or something Mm -hmm. just because my anxiety would build up around Mm -hmm. certain men where I would just cry. I didn't want to be around them. So, and I do recall that. I do recall the feeling. I remember one time my uncle, and I love my uncle so much. I'm not even going to identify which Please uncle don't it is. Please don't. No. Because <laughs> I love all of my uncles. But I remember my mom telling me my uncle was coming in town. We were going to be going to the airport to pick him up. Mm-hmm. And I literally, Tori, was having a whole anxiety attack on the way there. At that time, I didn't know. But I remember looking up at the sky and praying, Tara, don't cry when you see him. And I know I had to be, this had, because I remember the household that I was in. I remember the trip to go pick him up from the airport. Mm -hmm. So that time frame, I had to be six or seven. And I remember it was dark outside and I was looking up at the stars just saying, Tara, don't cry when you see him. Like it took me having to have like a pep talk with myself. Right. Do you still do do those pep talks? I still do it. I do. That's why it's like sitting (laughs) here talking. I'm like, you know what? I remember doing that (laughs) even younger. Look, I was coping. You were coping Mm -hmm. already. You were Mm -hmm. doing the self-talks already. So, wow. Yeah. and But I felt like nobody would understand. My mom never got on me for that. Meaning when I would bust out crying, like, what is wrong with you? She probably didn't understand it. But it was just one of those things where it's like, Tara it's okay it's just and I don't know why where it would come from it was just this overwhelming anxiety and I was so scared Mm -hmm. just scared 
Um, but then, of course, back to, you know, getting a little older, I would just go to my room, go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it was just an ongoing joke with my family, like Tara just disappeared. And I never thought much about it. So I really didn't come in tune with it until like my early 20s. And that's when, as you said at the beginning of the podcast, like there was an experience or there was, you know, something, I forget the word that you used, but something happened that kind of. Well, I think that's what, I think that's what happens. Um, What I I wanted to speak on. um, Well, you know, people, I've, I've read so much stuff on mental health. And one of the things that I've explored as well is being highly sensitive So anxiety and being a highly sensitive person um, or being what I what and I've done some research on being an empath. That means like you, you, you know, take on the energy of other people. And so I think that that's definitely something that you probably have dealt with and maybe something that you would want to explore a little more just to expand your mindset on who you are because that's what I had to do is I had to really reach in and see how I was dealing with people in different situations and I know that I'm very highly sensitive I am an empath but if there's some negative connotations to being an empath I don't I don't know why um but it's, it's not a bad thing it, it really isn't a bad thing when you when you're conscious of who you are and how to control it. I, um, I remember every, just going off of what you're saying. I remember seeing the movie, the secret life of bees with queen Latifah. I never saw that. And Alicia keys. Uh They, it was like four sisters, maybe three, four sisters. And there was one particular sister. I forget her. They were all names of, I think the month, like April, June, May, Um, And there was one particular sister where she would take on everything that had happened in her family, everything that had happened with her sisters. And she was carrying that. Mm -hmm. So she was highly sensitive, a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to tell you the movie, but it just shows. I was still watching. Just the mental just instability that was going on with her. And I connected with her. Really? Because that was my first time seeing it. Mm -hmm. And I always thought about that movie like. I know what she's going through. It's like you're can't, something happens and you carry that. Right. And you just, it, it becomes to the point where only someone else that experiences mental health can understand. Exactly. It's, it's, if you don't know what that feels like, what I'm saying is not going to connect. But if you know, it's almost like. that. That's me. And that's what this platform is for. Sit with me is. To have people in this chair and people get to hear these stories and if they have not recognized that there is an issue with them or even not an issue, there's something different, there's something peculiar and you just haven't figured it out, keep listening in so that you can get the help that you need so that you understand that you're not alone, you're not an alien 
even though sometimes we do be feeling like aliens because I just be like everybody else off it ain't me (laughs) or I say I'm the weird one y'all you all can be normal because I just know that I'm not like y'all so I always say I'm the weird one (laughs) yes and so um and like you were saying like I didn't recognize mine until my 20s but I think mine had to trauma tends to bring it out as as what I found in my walk in I've been through different traumatic situations in my life and I could tell where my mental health wasn't as stable as it was during times where I'm more at peace, when I'm more centered. So trauma kind of brings that on. So when I was in my 20s, that's like I moved here to Palm Beach and I'm from a very small town. I'm from Palaka. There's nothing in Palaka. It's the complete country. I didn't even know like, like, strip clubs were a real thing. When I moved here, I was in culture shock, okay? <laughs> How old were you when you moved here, you said? I was 17. Oh, okay. So I was like, oh my God, like they have, and we had, look, and I used to be amazed at like the homeless people that hold the signs <laughs> in the street because we didn't have that. We had people that were in our community that were homeless, but they weren't holding no signs. And that was just Everything was just brand new. It was just certain elements um, that were really brand new to me. And just being brought into this new society, it really triggered something in me. And then so that's when I was diagnosed with PMDD. And um, it's something that I've always, it's like you, you've always had that, but we couldn't put a, a name to it because... Who was going to tell us? <laughs> Who was going to tell us? Like, and I do. Um, and I want you to continue, but I do want to know how amazing this platform is because not only are we in the position, who are we going to tell? And not to play victim, but as black women, we face this a lot where we're feeling this. We know something's going on, but what what are we we're going to get labeled again as, oh, you're just, you know. So it's like you don't. Overly sensitive, emotional. Yes. Like, I don't, I don't know how many times I've been called crazy. Like, that's so insulting. Like, <laughs> I am not crazy. I'm really, like, I'm really, this is real this is for me. This is a real me. thing. This is my life. This is right. something that. I daily have to manage right. so that I don't get crazy. Like you don't even see crazy. You don't, you don't, no. Let, <laughs> you put don't. a camera in a room with me while I'm by myself. You should have seen me yesterday. <laughs> uh, I text tell my friend. Story, she she has the same thing as I do. And I tell her, I told her, I said, the level of conversations I have with myself to manage my mental health is like, Tori, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that right now because what mine does, it it, it creates, um, it, it makes me to be very impulsive. So that's what will bring on like those manic situations where I'm just like completely out of control. But I'll do impulsive things. It's like, I'll go and shave all my hair off or mm-hmm. some of those. Done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so those are those things that uh, contribute to... Yeah, that instability is just so... And see, my crazy moments, and it's going to sound crazy, but hearing you be so transparent, I'm like, let me get comfortable. That's what we're here for. So my crazy is when I have my talks with myself, I literally identify the voice in my head as an actual person. So when I look in the mirror and I see this face, Mm -hmm. this Tara, Uh that's not 
who's in my mind. So these are two different people. So the person in my mind is talking to this face of Tara. Like this face is just the face. Okay. You know, so, but the mind is who I am. Okay. So it's like the mind getting in tune with who I'm looking at in the mirror. Okay. And there was one situation where I had to tell myself, and this kind of, you know, starts my journey, but we'll get to that. Um, I had to tell myself, I don't really even like you. I don't, I don't like you. Like the person that I'm looking at in the mirror, this face, this person that I see every day, Mm -hmm. I don't like you. And that's a problem. Right. Because this is still me. This is who the world sees. This is what you get. This is the face card. And my mind is telling this face card, I don't like you. I don't like who you are. I don't like how you look. I don't like the things you say. I don't like, I don't like you because you're fake. This person in, and I want to be who is locked up in my mind. Okay. And this person, the face card does not match who's in my mind. Okay. So in, in that situation, so who's in your mind is, is your, is the real you? Is Tara. Okay. But then you're presenting. Exactly. A different person. You have a mask. Exactly. Okay. So So talk about how all of that came about. So to kind of speed the story along. We talked about in the beginning how I was a PK, a pastor's daughter, right. pastor's kid. Um, at the age of 21, I then married a pastor. So I went from being a pastor's kid to now a pastor's, pastor's wife. wife. And the pastor that I married, he took over the church that my dad pastored for almost 20 years. Are you so my dad moved to, to South Florida here. In 1999, uh-huh. the year I graduated high school, I went off to the military. They called another pastor to the church that my dad was at in Ohio. I'm in the military, living my life, tr- still trying to figure out who I was. Like, that was really, because yeah. I was literally fighting with who I thought I was and that mind terror coming out saying, this is what I want to be. So that was already a war just within the first couple of years of me, because I left for the military uh, two days after I graduated high school. Wow. <laughs> literally graduated high school and packed up and went off to the military within days. Mm-hmm. So that little bit amount of time, um, they called a pastor to my dad's old church, former church. Uh, I went to visit because my sister was still in Ohio, my older sister, and she still attended there. So when I went home to visit from the military, I went to that church and that's where I met the new pastor. Mm -hmm. And we ended up getting married. Lots of story in between there, but we ended up getting married. So I went from being a pastor's kid to a pastor's wife. And And it was the pastor's wife with people that had known me for most of my life. So did they still treat you like a kid? So it was a little bit of both. Um, they still treated me like a kid in the form of, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm a motherly figure for you. So when I say treating me like a kid, it wasn't out of disrespect. It was out of allegiance to the fact of we had this respect for your father and his family. We're going to make sure now you're, okay. you're our family and we're going to cover you. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a demographic of people that did look at me. They remember Tara, the right. middle child, <laughs> the wild child, the one that they had to check on. So, so. It was almost like, we don't want our first lady being Tara. 
Like, what about Rachel, which was my younger sister? What about Kasha? Tara? You know? So there was a few of those. And then you had those that had come into the ministry or into the congregation when I was gone. So they really didn't know me. Right. But they went off of, you know, things that they heard or whatever. So I was challenged with a lot. I still have family members that attended. Mm -hmm. So they kept me. I was really shielded and really protected. And I felt very comfortable Mm -hmm. just because I knew that there were certain people that did have my back. Mm -hmm. But I look back on it now. Tori, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't even know who I was. I came and I was, I looked up, here I am. We got married when I was 22, but I'm a wife. I'm now a mother of five because it was a blended family. Okay. I'm a first lady and I don't know how it happened. It's just like. Life just happened from? to you. And I came in in the midst of a big scandal as well. So it was really trying to navigate, you know, this position in the city with things going around about my husband and I in the city. So I'm coming into the fold with all of this on me Mm -hmm. and trying to navigate and understand life at that level. So then you're still keeping this face. This face was still on. This was this was the face that I had. This face was like permanent. Like (laughs) this was like this was me. I just had to, you know, roll with it. But yet in my mind, girl, it was chaos. It was literally chaos in my mind on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, again, just fast forward. I remember pulling up to the church. It was like a night service. It wasn't a lot of people there, but I pulled up in the parking lot. And the Holy Spirit said, call your sister. Now, I was never close to either one of my sisters. We loved them. My younger sister and I are only 18 months apart, but we're very different in terms of personality. Mm -hmm. And with her, I was just her protector. I didn't gain a relationship with her. I didn't form a relationship with her. I just knew I had to protect her. Mm -hmm. So we ain't got to be friends. We ain't got to hang out. We ain't got to talk. But if you have an issue, call me and it's on. Like Mm -hmm. she just, that was like my baby. Mm -hmm. But as far as like a sisterly relationship, we didn't have that. And then my older sister, we just, our personalities are very different. Mm -hmm. I love you, Kasha. It's much better (laughs) now. But at that time, right. it wasn't. But the Holy Spirit said, call your sister, my older sister. Uh-huh. And keep in mind, I never told my family anything that I didn't have a relationship with my family while I was married. And it wasn't any, anything that was forced on me that, you know, don't talk to your family. Right. I just didn't, I didn't connect with, I didn't, I knew that they knew me. Uh-huh. And... I wanted to, people that knew me, I didn't want them in this me space. Mm -hmm. It's like, I need you to just go with where I am now in life. Don't worry about like, Like, this ain't you at all. This This ain't you, girl. (laughs) Just roll with where I'm Let me do what I'm doing. This is working for me right now. This is working (laughs) for me right now. Let's just do it. Because if we start unfolding and unmasking and these layers start coming off, we, uh -uh, I can't handle it. It's like, I can't right. handle it. So I stayed away. But at this, I, I, I don't even know if I would call it a breaking point. I mm-hmm. just knew I needed to call my sister. And in the midst of the conversation with my sister, I began really, really sharing with her what I was going through. Mm-hmm. 
mentally and that I can't do this. So she suggested that I come to Florida and just stay with her. She had just gotten a townhouse. She said, you and the girls just stay here for a little bit. You know, I was working there, but it was like, it wasn't no thing for me to just leave because I just needed to. It was just too much. So I ended up coming to Florida in 2008. I was married in 2002, 2003. I forget which one. But in 2008, I did. <laughs> I don't remember. I think I got married in 2002. Don't worry about it. It's, it's it was a, 02 or 03. Okay. But in 2008. <laughs> we know it was cloudy. <laughs> it was it's a bit foggy for me. That's one of those areas in my life where it's like. <sighs> but in 2008, I came to Florida and, and stayed with my sister. Um but the release didn't come. Okay. You know, I just, a lot of times we think that if we just go to a new location or a new area or new surroundings, everything is just white clean, deal with but yourself. it's still the same thing. Yeah. Because it actually became worse because exactly I had to deal with myself yeah. and I wasn't ready. And my dad even gave me some wisdom when I was down here. I came down here, but I didn't clean up what I left. So I just ran. Yeah. And he just explained, you really need to clean up what you what you left yeah. if you're not going to be with your husband then you guys need to establish that if you are then you don't need to be down here you need to be working it out like the separation type thing I'm not saying that I disagree when couples separate but you have to have a plan in that separation because right. if you just say oh we're separating and there's no you can forget about it's it it's just it's not <laughs> and that's what was happening it was no plan so my dad was just trying to say if you're separated okay but what's the plan like what right. are you working toward resolution or divorce like what so I end up coming back I was only here for a few months end up coming back and we did separate in the uh, steps toward divorce mm -hmm. it was so I ended up getting my own place when I went back to Ohio and um long story short moving up we did eventually get a divorce in 2010 mm -hmm. and I realized that I had built an entire identity with this man to the point where without him, I don't, I don't even know. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. The voice that I once had is gone. So now again, it's this person I'm looking at that. I don't know who she, I don't know who she is. Right. I don't know what to do with her because when people see her, they see Everything that used to come with me, the husband, the church, the prestige, the notoriety. And the, you're not that anymore. I'm not that. And what, so, or you were never that. I was honestly never that, Tori. I honestly was never that. So it literally, I started to have the worst mental breakdown that I can. It The, the cherry on top was when he began a relationship with someone else, because that's when I, and we had already been divorced. Mm -hmm. So it was over. It wasn't no scandal and no affair. We, the divorce papers were signed mm -hmm. and he began dating someone. He, one thing that I can say that he did out of respect is once we had a divorce, cause we have children together. Mm -hmm. Once we got the divorce, he still maintained a lifestyle where we worked very well as co-parents and even very well as far as just things that he needed he trusted me because I was his wife mm -hmm. so I remember like medically he needed some things and I was there with him mm -hmm. and because that was such a fragile place for me I think I misunderstood mm -hmm. to where yes we're divorced we're no longer together but we're still yeah you still you're still doing wife duty yes yeah I hadn't let go of yeah. just that 
And it wasn't until he actually moved on and it was like solidified in my mind, it's really over. And whatever from childhood up to that point, everything crumbled to where honestly, what I felt, Tori, is that I had made a mess of my life now because I have no idea. Here I am. I think at this point I must have been close to 30 years old. Yeah. And I just I have no clue what these former the previous 30 years of my life were like I, it's just so much not me mm-hmm. and just trying to kind of fit in where I get in where I fit in and now it's like I had to face who I am I don't have anything else I've isolated myself from my family my family's great they could have welcomed me back they welcomed right. me back with a woulda but I had isolated myself so much from friends from family this man was my identity, this family, this church, these were all who I was. And now without it, I was left to deal with me and I, it became too much. I said on my last show that um, sometimes within um, the body of Christ, we, because like I said, is there expectation to be perfect? (laughs) Like, Perfect. And it's just not realistic. And a lot of times people, especially if you're already dealing with your mental health, that does not help for that pressure to be something that not that is unattainable, because I believe there is a a way to live in an excellent way. Um, But it can make you schizophrenic Mm -hmm. when you're trying to be something that You're not. And I believe God has made us all individually. He has given us all amazing gifts. He has a particular purpose for each and every one of us. So it's not a Christian or a believer. It's not a cookie cutter position. It's not if you're a Christian, you look like this, you look like that, you do this, you do that. But a lot of people in their mind, they think that's what it is. Like you have to do this, you have to do that. And I used to tell people in their walk with Christ, the things that you're convicted about, God may not be convicting me about. I have to live according to where I am with God. That's good, Tori. And that's if good. he convicts me of something, then that's that's my standard. Mm-hmm. But he might not be there with you yet. Yep. Or he may that may never be an issue for you. So he ain't gotta chastise you about that. And I think sometimes Chris, I don't sometimes I don't even think they realize that they're doing it. You know, there's women that, you know, really try to bring me in and certain things that they would say. It was like, I like that was the last thing I needed to hear right now. And yet they think that they're helping. (laughs) It's like, I'm still a human being. Right. Like you have this perception or this idea in your mind of who I'm supposed to be. But I still have to be true to who I am. And that's what I didn't. I didn't grab hold of still staying true to who I am. I just wanted to live in the expectation that was kind of set so that it would be, to me, that was the comfortable route. Right. It's already set. The table set. Just stay there. Yeah. But when you're, when, when you, when that's, when I, I'm sorry, when I got my divorce, um, that was my concluding matter is my mental health was at stake. Like, I was, I had lost myself. I I didn't exist anymore. And 
the situation that I was in, it I I questioned, I even questioned my Christianity by mm. the end of it. I was like, I don't even know who I'm is God the same. We serve, do we serve the same God? Cause stuff I was being told that they were saying God was telling them. I'm like, how? So but I had to remove myself from that situation in order to keep myself. And when I did it, I had people, women that came to me and told me, oh, you should have waited because this was going to come about and you're going to miss out on this. And I'm sitting there thinking like, dear woman of God. You don't even know what I was going through. Like, but yet God told you that. Yeah. Like. <laughs> no, you know what God told me? He said that he don't even treat me like that. So Listen. come on. Listen, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, I, that's why I said I don't even realize they're doing it. How are you going to tell me that God told you or showed you something and I'm living this and I know this is not of God? You know it's that's not. That's conflicting. He's yes. not, if, He's not like you said, are we confusion. serving the same God? So everything you said, yes. Like, I experienced that. And I, I remember one morning, I was so overwhelmed. Um, my kids weren't with me. They were with him. Got up, went to work. Didn't play the radio. I remember I was so quiet that day. Just got up. Didn't have anybody to talk to. So I got ready for work. Got in the car. Didn't listen to the radio. It was just quiet. And I got to work. And my job at the time was, um, you know, like when, you, when you're when you on the phone, like customer service, but you're on the phones. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there was a greeting that we had, like, blah, 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 blah. My name is Tara. How can I help you? Like whatever our script was, Uh that would have been the first thing. Like when I came in, I didn't even say good morning to anybody. That script would have been my first time talking that day. Mm -hmm. So I logged in, turned my mic on, put my headset in. We're ready to start the day. I knew I was overwhelmed, but I didn't know. I opened my mouth to say my script and I said, Good morning. And I just start screaming. <gasps> like I couldn't. Really? I was just ah. So of course people around me like, Tori, I don't even know what happened. It was like oh I opened my, my mouth and everything came out. And Jesus. I felt like I was going crazy. They were trying to calm me down. They end up having to take me into a room. Thank the Lord. It was like, she was like the director of our department. I hadn't even seen this lady before. <laughs> and she knelt down. God will sin. And she, told, she knew exactly what was going on with me. I never had two words with this lady. I Like, I wish I really knew her position, but they had to pull her in. And she just talked me through it. Just talked me through it. The stuff she was saying was so on point to a point where I could at least be calm. Mm -hmm. You know, I was still just, I wasn't right. So, you know, they end up taking me to a hospital. Like that's how bad it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they ask you certain questions, go through certain tests. So one thing that they always ask is, do you, are you suicidal or have you had suicidal thoughts? I never had suicidal thoughts. The thing that I wanted to do and that I just was trying to figure out how to do I didn't have suicidal thoughts because I couldn't handle the thought of leaving my children. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to take my two girls at the time. I think that they were maybe nine and seven. I wanted to take my girls and just drive. If we ran out of gas, we ran out of food. If we ran out of money, we're just going to figure it out. As long as my girls were with me. I don't know how it was going to happen. I don't know what we were going to do. I don't know where we were going to go. I just wanted to get away 
with my girls. Mm-hmm. I just needed them with me. And then whatever happens, happens. And of course, if you think of that big picture, oh, Tara, that's dangerous. How are you going to eat? How are you going to survive? How are you going to pretty much be homeless? I didn't care. To me, being homeless and destitute with my daughters was better than the life that I was living. So I think me explaining that being my thoughts, it was enough to get me admitted. Mm -hmm. And next thing I know, I was in the psychiatric ward of a veteran hospital. How long were you there? I was there four days, three mm-hmm. or four days. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to talk to my mother. Um, my mother is just such a gentle spirit at her core. Mm-hmm. So the voice of a mother is always uh, very soothing. If you have the type of mother that really takes that role and position as a mother, seriously. My mother has just a certain tone where it automatically can calm me. Mm-hmm. But she was very scared and very confused Mm. because this is a side that she hadn't even seen or dealt with. Mm. Um, She just wanted to make sure I was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, My father. My father actually was the the key to unlocking what I needed. But I can honestly say that my dad couldn't quite wrap his mind around what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. What my dad needed me to know is who I was. He reminded me, and I'm going to get emotional because I just lost her, but he reminded me of my grandmother, Mm -hmm. who she was and what she endured. My grandmother endured so much Mm -hmm. and she had five kids. He said, that's your stock. You come from that. He was just naming family members that I'm a part, I'm their bloodline. Like, Terry, you are strong. You come from good stock. Like, This is not us. We can take authority over this. And I just hadn't had anybody speak to me in that way. And the minute he did, and that's why I appreciate my dad, because I'll admit it wasn't a comforting conversation. It was like, girl, you know who you are. Yeah. But I needed that. Right. And I was so vulnerable and so sensitive. And I was so scared to talk to him. But he said what was necessary and it clicked and I knew I wasn't supposed to be there. And that night I, cause you, you don't have anything in that room. Mm-hmm. It's like, you just got to sit with your thoughts. <laughs> this is what you get. It's, what, it's like a punishment. <laughs> but I remember writing down um, really, cause he mentioned the word purpose in that conversation too. Mm-hmm. So once he said that word purpose, something resonated in me and really when I get out of here, I need to, chase my part I need to understand why I'm here and I liken it to a big like I don't know rubber band snowball whatever you want to say something had developed into a big ball Mm -hmm. and I needed to begin to roll it back to see what the root of it is so right now we have this big mess that I'm dealing with that I feel in my mind But I need to backtrack it and kind of just unravel, keep unraveling, keep unraveling. And it took a long time to really get to, okay, this is where it started. And this is where the snowball began. Mm -hmm. And at the center of doing that, the Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit. You are a lady. And lady, meaning L-A-D-Y, love and define yourself. Because I tried to find love and identity in so many different places. Yes. 
so many different things where it literally starts with you being who God created in his image. Mm -hmm. The scripture even says, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love someone until you first recognize and identify. So that's his, that's what he's first saying. People automatically think, oh, you're supposed to love other people. And you are, Mm -hmm. but you only can love other people out of the measure that you love yourself. And remember I said, when I looked in the mirror, I couldn't stand that face card. Mm -hmm. I don't like her. Mm -hmm. So I had to begin to get back in tune with, loving myself so that I could give that love. I could receive that love. I could identify who I am first so that nobody can try to tell me who I am. Right. God has told me who I am and I know who I am. Right. So it's really just standing on that confirmation and foundation and from that rising from the ashes. <laughs> and you know what? I really love that because, um, A lot of people don't understand that a relationship with God brings that like he will, he will love on you really unconditionally. But Tori, it's the relationship that you establish. I cannot develop that relationship from my dad's God. Right. Or the church. I had to yourself. I only knew God from what I was told and taught. Right. I never had that one-on-one relationship where I knew him for myself. And you know what? That's the prayer I always pray for my kids is that they have an experience Mm. with God because you can't, and that's for anybody. Mm. You can't not teach somebody how to have a relationship, a real relationship with God. You have, it has to come by experience. Once you experience God, he nobody can't tell you anything different. My tagline is I met God through Jesus. So nobody can't tell me about God a a different way. I can't go meet him by the universe and all those other things because I met God through Jesus and it was Mm. through an experience. So my prayer for my children is always, Lord, give them an experience with you. They cannot deny because once you have that experience, like you said, it just clicks. That's it done forever you know it, it's still a process you Even still you go stray, through the grow it's like you still have that you have that that solid foundation mm-hmm. it's your foundation it's what you're going to go back to every mm-hmm. time that's why the song there's a song that says take me back take me back to the place where i first, first received, received you mm-hmm. that place sometimes you just have to go because like you said that's a, uh, that one experience that's all. It, it it's so life changing. Yeah, and you can always draw back to that, and yeah. that's what I had. Yeah, and there's just a love that God has for us that is so, um, like you said, identifying. Mm-hmm. It it will really clear up who you are authentically, mm-hmm. and really separate you from the world. Mm-hmm. It will give you an identity that cannot be erased and once you grab hold to it you just you just push forward from there and i recognize when i did this when i really was standing in this whole lady identity um how much the enemy uses people and tools in society to try to combat just this identifying who you are yeah. because a lot of times what i recognize is once 
God showed me who I was, mm-hmm. you know, once that was established and I was in tune, I'm very confident in that. Right. It ain't, you know, to put it in terms where, you know, you can't you're tell not, me nothing. You're you know, not trying to fit into no, 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 all no. these different I packages anymore. It's who like, I am. <laughs> and a lot of people, you know, they're, um, it's like they're, they're intimidated by that in a sense mm-hmm. to where if they haven't quite obtained that, they'll put stereotypes and labels on you because of just that confidence that you carry. But that's why I always have to explain if God took his finger off of me, Tori, I would crumble. (laughs) This confidence is only because of who I belong. Like he has given me this. If it wasn't for him, I don't, I'm like, you don't even want to experience Tori without God. Right. She's terrible. It's, it's ho- like, <laughs> so yes, I walk around confident, da, 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 but best believe huh. this is because I daily have to it's get in tune before I step out into the world with this. I have to have that one-on-one with him where it's like a pep talk. Like, yeah. like that. now I know who to go to for right. my pep talk. Right. So it's like, instead I've of you, such you feeding one- yourself. I, and, and I really, even within my church and, and whatever they ask me to do, like I always talk to the people about your self-talk mm. because if you really listen to your self-talk, a lot of times it's not positive. And so you have to constantly combat it with the word of God mm. and the truth of who God says that you are. Mm. Because I mean, I it was probably a couple of weeks ago, like when I was going through one of my phases and I said, I heard, I said to myself, I said, I'm, I'm so sad. I just said that. I was just like, I'm so sad. And then I turned around and was like, you are not Lord, so sad. Like, Good, Tori. You Good. are not Good. so sad. It, but myself, my that voice wanted me to believe that that's who I am. Like, you're just a sad and you're always going through these emotional changes. And yes, I know I deal with my mental health, but I'm managing it. And so in managing it, you have to speak back to those voices because they're really just subconscious thoughts that have been caught up in there that you have to train and replace. And I'm glad you said that, Tori. That is such a good point because you're not saying that you don't still go through your mental health challenges. Right. You have just developed ways to kind of work, navigate your way. Exactly. Because a lot of time people allow, God has given us authority. I can speak to any part of my body, particularly my My mind, mind. and tell my mind, you're going to line up with the word of God because this is what the word of God says. Right. But it doesn't mean that sometimes I don't have my experiences. Right. So I don't allow it to, like I know, especially since, and I I hate using COVID as an excuse. Mm -hmm. But COVID was a really tough COVID time was a, yeah. oh, for mental health. Yeah. If you know, you know. Right. <laughs> but it was tough. Yes. And that was when I really realized, Tara, if you didn't have it in you during COVID, you were stuck because churches were closed. You got your, you know, Nowhere Zoom and streaming yes. services. But if you didn't have that stuff in you to speak to these episodes and these 
you were having a tough time <laughs> yes. because it just wasn't there. Yes, you can listen to a streaming <laughs> service all day, but come uh, on. If yes. you didn't have I it, did, you- I need it to be. I, I've told people for years, church is my AA meeting, okay? Listen. That is my therapy. That's where I go. And I call it a gas station. That's where I get my yes. fuel. And my, I need I it. Need I that. go on empty if I don't have yes. it. So imagine that time frame of just, and I was very hard on myself. You're out here proclaiming and and preaching the word, preaching the gospel to people. And the minute the so-called world shuts down, you lock. What were you <laughs> operating off of? What were you doing before? Like, right. So it's I the- was very hard on myself to where it was like, Tara, you need to steal away. Yeah. And really get back into take me back. Take, take me, me back, back dear Lord. Place. And so a lot um, of 2020 was just me saying, wow, it was self-reflection. Yeah. Yeah. I just um, made a post last night because I was up and I was studying, studying my word. And I was like, this is so great that I'm back here again. Thank you, Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember being in such a, a great place with the Lord and being so locked in. And I'm finally back there consistently and that, and that it's place like, is so uh, <laughs> i know and just knowing god is so faithful yes, he is he so is. faithful i despite, said god is faithful and we're full of faith <laughs> despite the many things he right there <sighs> every time so that's beautiful i'm glad that you were able to even recognize that like I found my way back. I I was I was so happy. Congratulations! So is, thank you. <laughs> so is Lady an organization? Yes. Okay. So, um, what happened? And again, I have to kind of hesitate sometimes because I re- like you said, you know, when you hear yourself speak, a lot of times I make a lot of excuses. <laughs> I'm always saying, "Well, it will be this," but <sighs> I make a lot of excuses. So I'm gonna try not to make excuses. But uh, Lady was kind of organized and formed. In my transition of leaving Cincinnati, Ohio and coming to South Florida, it was solidified and become official in South Florida. But my network and my marketing stuff was still more centered to Cincinnati, Ohio, because I had developed those relationships and those connections. I get it. So it was almost as if the organization was here in Florida, but I was using my resources were in Ohio. Okay. And God showed me, you know. I moved you to this location for a reason. Your purpose isn't just locked in Cincinnati, Ohio, you know? So I began uh, attempting to uh, build, build relationships and network here. But again, when you place God at the center, you think you have an idea of what you want something to do in the direction you want it to go. And I literally heard the the voice of the Lord instruct me that I have called you to be, a worshiper first. I'm always a worshiper. My second assignment is being a mom. And during the time that I was operating in Lady, I realized that I was neglecting my second assignment. Yes, God put purpose in my life and I can operate and do Lady, but I have to remember that he called me to be a worshiper and he called me to be a mother. I He has given me these two young girls and I am their mom, but yet I was neglecting certain things with them because I was focused on this quote unquote, this purpose that I thought. Right. So he had to remind me, you know, you could still operate and do all of these things. I've Mm -hmm. called you to do it, Mm -hmm. 
but I was neglecting my role as a mother. So I began to focus. They were in a very impressionable age as well. We had just gone through the transition from Ohio. We had just, I had just gone through my divorce. I had been in a mental hospital and I had never taken the time to really sit with my children to really identify, recognize, and listen to them on what they're feeling right now. Mm -hmm. And long story short, they needed me. So I, I I don't want to say I put, I was still active in the organization, but motherhood took took over and I'm not ashamed to say that I developed those years I got so close to my kids and again it was still a part of lady Mm -hmm. I identified myself as this is the part of my life right now where I need to (laughs) so it is an organization to answer your question um but it's an organization that God is continuing to take me through the nuances and the different levels of what he's doing with me. So I had this perfect idea. I have notebooks. I have all these things of what I wanted to do with it, where I wanted to take it. Mm -hmm. But every time I attempt to go, I always go back where the Lord says, you're not ready yet. Mm -hmm. You're not ready yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, and I know when you have that relationship, not to tell y'all all my business, but <laughs> I knew exactly what he was talking about. Yeah. There's certain things in my life that I hadn't let go. Yeah. And it was almost as if he was saying, you're not about to get here in front of these people and you ain't take care of what you're you supposed to be taking care of. <laughs> not doing so that. each time I attempted to really do these big grand things, God will pull me back and say, but what about? And he knew what that thing was. Mm-hmm. And so it took a couple years of really freeing myself from certain things that were holding me back from really walking in my purpose the, genuinely, mm-hmm. you know, cause people get up here and do a lot of things. Right. And, and I'm not saying I need to be perfect. Like don't misunderstand me. Mm-hmm. But like, I think you said earlier, people's convictions are different. Right. And this certain conviction, it had me to the point where I was not comfortable leading a woman's organization doing some of the things that I was doing in my right. life. So I had to clean that up. I, I totally understand. I stepped down from ministry when I knew I wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And, and I was actually the leadership that I was under was like, no, you'll get through it. <laughs> I'm going through, going through, through. Yes, and all girl. I said was, I just need to sit down for a little while and I don't want to serve like this. Mm-hmm. You'll be Okay. No, these literal words. You're not a punk. Don't punk oh out. Goodness. What? <laughs> Men and women of God, we have to do better. Let us pray. We have to do better. <laughs> like, like I need it. I need it. People. And, and then also, I think when we get involved with anything, like you're saying, you have to have that self-identity and you have to know yourself to know what your boundaries and limits are. Mm-hmm. Because even serving in church and different organizations, like people will push you and pull you and you have to know when it's time for you to whatever, it's, it's time for you. And I'm thankful because even with Lady, I have people that have supported this organization from the beginning mm-hmm. from, since 2014. And a lot of times, you know, they'll inbox me or they'll send me stuff like, you know, what's going on? We need to do. But they also understand. And all I say is just pray for me, you yeah. know, just pray for me. That's and good. so there are men and women of God out there that do recognize and they understand. But like you said, when you... 
a part of the thing, a part of the ministry, part of the organization is recognizing and identifying. Yeah. So I have to, I have to know when nobody can push me. I'm not going to stand before you all with mess. Yeah. I'm not going to stand. Right. And I told the Lord that, you know, I do, um, work in ministry at my dad's church. My dad did start a ministry down here in, in South Florida. And I knew when I was called to me, I, I knew when I was called to ministry when I was a child. Right. My desire <laughs> for the preach word of God was not normal for a six and seven year old. Right. I, I used to literally crave when it was time for the sermon mm-hmm. and just write, 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 write. So I always knew I had a calling. Mm-hmm. Um, I told my dad that I was called. He knew as well. Mm-hmm. But I, when people look at that, like, oh, she's called to ministry, minister, they automatically put you in a certain you right. know, box or criteria. But, it, but what that's what I'm saying about God identifying you. Like that, it doesn't have to, it may not be in a pulpit. I just told my friend this morning, I have something and um, that I'm doing today. And she's like, I wish you were. I'm I'm MC in a program and she's mm-hmm. like, I wish you were on that panel. And I was like, I I have my reward. Mm-hmm. When you're doing the Lord's work, people I know they can't identify exactly what I do. Because right. I do a lot and right. I've done a lot and I've supported a lot and I've I've helped um foundations of many different things and organizations and people don't see that but I'm doing God's work. What God has instructed exactly. you to do. And so it's it, still walking in your calling. Yes, just not in the form ministry. of exactly. <laughs> and so I I say that to say there's times within our ministry, within our church where my dad will ask me to he trusts me before his people and I I always say yes. oh I appreciate that cuz he trusts me. And I always take myself through this process of just total cleansing. Like, Lord, just purify me because yes. I don't want to get before your people right. with mess. And I need you, Lord, because, girl, I, I can prepare a whole this. sermon. But <laughs> if God don't put his oil on it. Listen, them people will sit there like <laughs> it just went right. Oh, I they was just went up there talking. It went all, yeah, I don't want to just be talking. Yeah, never. So that's how I know. And then when I do get those, it's so natural. Like yeah. I'm never going to deny my calling. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care you what people think what about me. To. I know <laughs> that I am called because that this thing is now, it runs through my veins. Right. It's like you a know? faucet. You can't right. turn it off. But for the called, we are challenged on a whole different level. And that, my folks, ladies and gentlemen, that's where (laughs) Tara is continuing to just, I'm going to get it right Yeah, I'm going to get it. I'm not going to give up. But what I've told people is that, you know, the scripture says many are called, but few Few are are chosen. Chosen Chosen life is different. Chosen life is, I don't, I don't have a choice. Mm. You understand? I can't just be out here. I I really wanted to like, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm about that life. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't. And, and when you are chosen, you have to submit your, your will to God's will, or you will be a disaster. On top of the mental health challenges. Like, listen, Tori, this platform is amazing. Thank you. Because you are a voice for that thing that a lot of us experience, but we don't, don't have the about. words. We, we don't, don't have the words. Yeah. So, yes, it is. It's that, Lord, I am terrified of submission because I know what comes with it. There's a song that I love. I give myself away. 
I don't understand how people can say that and the conviction that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Like I give myself away so that you can use me. That means everything Everything. that's going on with everything in me, it belongs to you because I just want to be used by you. That's a mighty, mighty statement to make. And I've said that so many times and the process of that is painful. Yes. Let's be real. It's painful. It is painful. So you're talking to a, a, a young lady that identifies that she has had mental health challenges, identifies that she is called and chosen and is daily working to be pleasing in his sight. Amen. That's, That's really what I am. Yes. I can't give it to you all fake. I That's can't so give it. Good. That is who That's... I am. And I'm determined. God. I look God, like I'm going to get it right. God has been so <laughs> fake. And he gives me the opportunity yes. every day. Yes. Over I'm up and here over speaking over. to you. God allowed these opportunities yes. for me because he says she's ready for that. Yes. There's there's so much I'm supposed to be doing, Tori. It's, it's really. But God, she ain't ready. And I say, God, if I'm not ready, I'm willing to sit back and you get, get me ready. ready. Yeah. I have to. It's 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 that full surrender. And um it it, it is a process. I mean, it just is a process. Is. But God, God loves us all the way through it. He we he are does. his beloved daughters. Yes. We I said you know what? Daughters. I be like, you know, the Bible says he married to the backslider. So mm. he ain't giving up on me. <laughs> he he will leave the 99 and go after that <laughs> one. For I me. am that one. Because he know what when I open my mouth for him, I is I believe God. Mm. I I have Stand really come solid. to a place where I understand that I am a person of faith. Mm. And I really believe. God. And then my thing is just that authority. I cannot, I know I'm called to also remind people of the authority that we have. Mm-hmm. Like sickness, ailments, those things are going to happen, but we right. have to understand by his stripes we're healed. We were healed on the cross. We were already healed. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of walking in the healing. Right. And even if people do still experience, you're still declare yourself healed. Right. I'm already healed even in my mind right and so it's really yes. just activating that authority and being able to speak to certain things and walk in it right even if you don't see it i still walk in it right you know and that's what the, this platform is also um i've explained uh, other times that there's a couple of other um segments to how this runs and we're going to be doing events, but we're also going to be doing deliverance services, which are called set the captives free. And they are completely dedicated to the deliverance for mental health issues. Now I do say that on this platform, we talk about ways to manage your mental health and we're going to get into that next, um, how you do yours. So, um, yeah, so we're going to have deliverance mm-hmm. services. And because I said, even though that we are called to manage it, I still believe in the supernatural deliverance of the Lord. And I know that he can set people free because there are some people, like you said, that we're able to articulate what we're going through, how we feel. Some people are in such a state of mental disaster that they can't even tell anybody Mm -hmm. this is what I'm going through Mm -hmm. this is how I feel I need this I they can't they're not even to that point yet right but I do believe God will set free 
Amen. The captives free. I'm so wow. excited for when that wow. comes. And believe me, you better be ready wow. for um, your part in oh, that, ma'am. Um, wow. <laughs> I'm so, praying now because that is yeah, powerful. It's going to be. And I just, I just, the reason why I know God is going to do it because the expectancy is going to be in the atmosphere. And God is not a man that he should lie. And when we come Speak to it. him with that, Speak that, it. that, you know, let me just touch the hem of Jesus, his garment. Do you understand? Mm. He's going to release it. And I, you know, I and really you, believe you, that. You point that out, and I still want you to carry on with what you're saying, but uh, God, the Holy Spirit put that into my my spirit a couple weeks ago. And the reason why is because dealing with mental health challenges, there are periods in time where you just need to isolate yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to isolate. People are calling yeah. on you. People want you to do certain things, you but you have it. to isolate yourself yeah. for a purpose. When it came to the woman with the issue of blood touching the hem of his garments, there were many people after Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like the disciples were really, literally having to push people away. Jesus was, he was already going to a specific assignment. He already, there was a 12-year-old girl that he was supposed to, that's where he was going. So all these people pulling on him and stuff, he had an assignment and he was focused. Mm-hmm. So I said, if God, and, and the minute the woman touched in, that's when he knew I need to turn my attention to her. Mm-hmm. So I say all that to say, we come to points in our life where even Jesus did, where we have to stay, fo- people are going to be pulling us. People right. are going to want us. People are going to say, oh, you ignore me. People probably say, oh, Jesus heard me calling his name and he kept walking. Yes, right. he was going to an assignment. Right. We ourselves have to focus on our assignments. No, I'm not trying to ignore people or be rude, but you have to focus have on to. the assignment. So I said, if Jesus was focused enough and was able to recognize and identify who he needed to put turn right. his attention to, that's how he has equipped us. He's so good. I'm equipped to know, okay, Tara, this you is do it do right this. Now. Tara, you keep right. going. This Don't. is right now. This is right now. There's seasons for everything. Yes. I've I've had businesses and, and different ventures that I've done, and they're definitely seasonal. You know what I mean? Like, you just mm-hmm. like you're saying with lady, mm-hmm. you had to focus on your ladies, yes. your little ladies. My little that ladies. Had yes, at one point. They needed so me. it's there's seasons to <laughs> our ministries and there's seasons where you're gonna sit back and just eat from the table, but there's seasons where you're gonna be serving. That's good. At, you know, serving the table. So um tell me, because you're gonna wrap it up, but okay. tell me, and you're gonna have you back, Tara, because this was a lot. I enjoyed this. <laughs> I needed this too. This so. is so good. Yeah. I I'm in love. I'm in love with the show. Sit with me, please. This is perfect. I I cannot wait to tell people because not even just oh I'm. This is so necessary. Let me this tell you, this voice. is this is God Whew. because it's it's a threefold. Um, and I I don't want to call it a ministry, but that's what it is. It's a threefold ministry. It's this platform of podcasting. It's events that are going to be very wholesome events that are conducive to people's mental health mm-hmm. um, that are going to be fun and energetic and not have those things that uh, come to corrupt us Amen. in our Amen. minds. Speak it. Um, and then also, like I said, the deliverance services. But when I tell you God gave me this because I struggled a long time, like, God, why did you make me this way? I was a little bit upset. Because, you know, I could be perfect Sorry. if I went in like mentally when you crazy. Look at other people like, God, why did you give me why? this brain? Why does why? my mind 
nothing worked like this. I was really in denial and through um, relationship with my husband, he has, he, he is my soulmate because he challenges me Amen. at a whole nother level. Like he doesn't allow me to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And um, I really had to look at myself and say, Tori, you got to deal with this. Mm-hmm. You have Amen. to manage this. You have to get yourself under control because that's my job as, as a vessel. This is my vessel. It's my job to manage this vessel. Yes. You know, to the yes. glory of God. So, yeah. So we're, we're definitely going to have you back. Um, but give us some final tips on what you have done in your walk, in your journey to really keep your mental health. So like I said, 2020 was very challenging with COVID. And that is when I really begin to recognize that I don't want to call it falling off, but I really needed to have more in me to sustain me during those low moments. I'll call them low moments. And I didn't have it. So, and I didn't want it. That's the another truth that I had to recognize. I had gotten so empty, the process of trying to get filled, I didn't even want to chase after it. Right. And that also was weighing on my mental health. Mm. There's this certain desire that we as believers that we have to have where it's like we thirst for him. Yes. And I was so dehydrated that I didn't even know the process of even being thirsty again. That's mm. how far off I had. Yeah. So I thank God that I at least recognized that this was happening. Mm-hmm. And I finally refused to keep going day in and day out. Just this empty. I was totally empty. And um, sometimes when you don't feel it, you have to make yourself be in situations where you hear the word of God. Mm -hmm. So what I did is before I went to sleep, I would play sermons, T.D. Jakes, Howard John Wesley, Tudor Bismarck, just different men and women of God that would just pour into my spirit as I'm falling asleep. Mm -hmm. I made it a point. The first thing I wake up in the morning, I'm listening to some type of spiritual nourishment. Let me tell you one one thing is when you're going to sleep and when you're waking up are the best times to feed your subconscious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I recognize that. Yeah. And so that's why I did it like that because even if I'm not feeling it, getting it in, I know it's getting in there. Right. My thoughts became consumed with words of God and things. So there's a scripture that says that God put, Jesus puts the word of God above his name. There's no name greater, Mm -hmm. but he stands on his word where he'll put that above. Like that's the one thing you can guarantee on. God cannot lie and God cannot fail. And he puts the word even above that. Mm -hmm. So I want to take hold of something that is so sure. And so I had to start indulging myself in the word. Mm -hmm. And there's two key scriptures that I constantly say to myself when I know I'm in a dark place that I have to repeat. Um, Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct that thy path. Mm -hmm. So if I'm feeling lost and dark, my path will be directed if I first acknowledge him. Right. The other scripture is in Matthew where it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and all these things will be added unto you. Mm -hmm. So whatever I desire, this place that I'm longing for, these things that I'm longing for, in order to obtain them, I have to seek him. Mm -hmm. He he designed Tara. He is the manufacturer of Tara Denise. Mm -hmm. So he knows what I need more than I know. In order to get those things, to get me back on track, I have to seek him Mm -hmm. and everything from that point will begin to line up. Mm -hmm. I have to trust in him and acknowledge him Mm -hmm. and he will direct my path. So it's become what I have to do is an intentional targeted approach of chasing after Christ, Mm -hmm. chasing at becoming a true disciple, Mm -hmm. thirsting, uh, sitting at his feet, Mm -hmm. understanding his lessons, understanding his word in a way that I can identify with this place in my life. Not seven, eight-year-old Tara that heard these stories and thought this is what it was trying to say. No, this is what he's directing me to do. This is what he's teaching me as a disciple at this stage in my life. Let me interrupt you really quick. Um, I was just thinking that, you know, because in this part of the show, we talk about ways that people can manage their mental health, right? And um, people have named like different ways, you know, meditation, um, like different things they do, like whatever. And I I, I actually practice some of those things, just soothing exer- exercises. But as I'm listening to you, I do understand that my best mental health is when I am focused on the Lord. And I'm thinking, if you're chosen, yes, it makes sense. Like if you're chosen and you're not living according to the will of God for your life. The one who called you. Your mental health is going to be off. Chaos. Tori, <laughs> chaos. That just came to chaos. me. So it, it's an, and for me, I can't speak for everybody else, but for me, it has to be deliberate, intentional. I have to make myself, I have to make myself line up. I have to make myself, Tara, don't you pick up that phone? Don't you turn on that computer? Don't you turn on that TV? You sit and listen to the word of God, or you read something that will get me back to just that, that chase and that hunger. Mm -hmm. And that's the process. Now, we also have to recognize when you do that, the enemy is real. And that's a whole nother layer that we really didn't speak on. But the devil is real. Mm-hmm. And the devil knows us based on our weaknesses. So T.D. Jakes has a sermon, and I, I forget the name of it, but he really highlights just how tricky and how cunning the enemy is. And we give him the tools to work with. He doesn't know us to the capacity that God has right. made us. He knows we us give it from what, we, what say. we have given him mm-hmm. and laid subject to him. And he uses those. Oh, so this is where she slipped up. So let me use that to try to. And so it's when I do make that declaration that I am, you know, you best believe that the enemy is on it <laughs> and I have to be like, on it. Like, oh, so oh, that's now, what you, oh, you back. So now, so now you want to get serious. <laughs> so now this is real. <sighs> and so it's also just recognizing that the, the, um, 
the tests and the trials will come. Yes. But again, he has given me authority. I have a war cry and I use that war cry. Amen. And, you know, every, morning by morning, new mercies I see. Amen. So I just wake up each day with, you know, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct my path. Sometimes that path gets a little shaky, but I just stay focused and acknowledging him. And here we are, Tori. I'll be 41 in a couple of weeks. And I look back like... I am so excited. I went through all of that to get here. To get here. (laughs) These next 40, 50, 60 years um, are just going to be so amazing because I trust him. I trust him and the weapons that he has given me to fight against the enemy. You know, there's a sign that says they just won't work. So these things that the enemy tries, it, they just won't work. I'm yes. a, I'm the comeback kid. All right. I'm the comeback <laughs> kid. Awesome. I'm coming back. I'm bouncing back. So yes. just thank God for this platform, Tori. Oh, I just, <laughs> I can't say it enough. I thank God for this platform. I do too. I do too. Well, Tara Denise, like I said, we're going to have you back more sooner than later. Definitely oh, for awesome. um, season two. Great. We'll be looking to have you back and also on any other platforms that we initiate. We are going to ask you to be a part of it because um, I definitely see what God is doing in your life. I definitely see um, where you're headed in the light that is shining on you now Amen. and you. the completeness that is in you right now is is really Amen. it's complete. I receive so, that. I love that. So we thank God for I'm I'm a good like your daddy. I'm about to start praying at the end of my podcast. <laughs> now my I know why he started praying. <laughs> see, I was laughing at my daddy. Now <laughs> tell you your daddy. It. Tell your daddy you I feel almost, that anointing. Woo, I'll tell him I almost <laughs> went there. Okay. But uh you guys please continue to listen in. Um, to this podcast, sit with me with Tori Christina, my guest today, Tara Denise. We thank you for being here, and y'all look out for her. Follow her on Instagram. What is what is your Instagram? My um, Instagram is handle. Tara T E R R A underscore she underscore writes because I do write and stay tuned for that. Yay, we got a writer on our hands. <laughs> and then my Facebook is simply Tara Denise. All right, cool. So you guys will talk again. Um, Manage your mental health. Today's lesson taught us that we are to trust in the Lord, like really put your trust in God, really pull in and pull into that place in Him that is going to keep your mind stable. He will give you a sober mind. He really will. He's done it for both of us. He will give you a sober mind. You guys stay tuned and thank you for sitting with me.